Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. Jason here. John with me to talk some more UNO hockey. John, how are you doing? And uh, how do you want to kick us off here with the series against CC? I'm doing great. We are in the stretch run. The CC series kicks off the final eight games, four series of the regular season. This is always an interesting time in college hockey. In my mind, it's what makes college hockey great. And it's why I love the sport, because there's a lot of unpredictability down the stretch. Just because a team might be down in the conference standings, you can't underestimate their ability to pull off a couple of good games in a series. So always very exciting. Certainly, this was an exciting series coming into CC. Lots of interesting festivities, two great crowds for the games, which we'll be talking about in a a little bit in our Things You Missed at Baxter Arena segment. But we've got to start off on Friday night and uh, exciting atmosphere, exciting game. UNO was wearing the military jerseys. It was very difficult to see the numbers on those jerseys because they used a a specific type of camouflage, Jason, that apparently ships in World War I used. I did not know this, and the camouflage worked because I couldn't tell who the players were. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about that later, what you thought of the jerseys after seeing them in person. But uh, first period, 1548 in. Ty Mueller gets the scoring started. And I got to tell you, Ty, Ty's really good at getting the first goal for UNO uh, in games this season. In six regular season games, he has been the guy who's gotten the scoring started for UNO. I know that is a completely bizarre stat, but I was thinking about that uh, this weekend. And he's the guy that a lot of times gets called first and uh, ends up getting that score for UNO. What would you think of Ty's goal uh, to start off the scoring for UNO? You know, it's a great shot. It, it was exactly what we've expected you know, of Ty Mueller. We came into the season knowing that you know, he was one of those guys we expected to be at the top of our roster for for both goals and points, you know, he's a good all around player. Uh, he does some work in the dot for us. Uh, he's, he's just, he's an incredible asset to have. And it's what we need. If this team's going to make home ice in the playoffs, it's going to take guys like Ty, you know, really stepping up and performing well and then being productive. And I don't put a whole lot of weight on the first or fourth or whatever kind of, kind of jazz like I just like to see him see him get out there and and get on the scoreboard he's had an impressive season so far and I thought that first period for UNO was pretty impressive uh, and you know, there were some fans who were telling me that they thought it's some of the best hockey that they've seen from the team this season and I thought they looked great during that first period they had a lot of terrific opportunities uh 758 into the second period Caden Bolson, one of your favorite players, you've highlighted him a number of times this season, puts UNO up two to nothing. I'm feeling great at that point. What'd you think of Bolson's goal? Like we said, it was hard to read the jerseys, but I could tell that that was Caden out there. Saw the long hair coming out of the back of his helmet. A big, tall player. Uh, it's great to see him have uh, success this season, and it was great to see him put UNO up two to nothing. CC's the kind of team that I'd expect him to thrive against. Like, this seems like his kind of game. Uh, you know, Miami's kind of the same way. Like, it, it just seems to fit his play style well. And uh, he did what we need him to do. He got to the, to the scoring zones. And uh, all around, he had a really good weekend. He was, you know, he only gets on the board once with that, with that goal. But jumping ahead to Saturday, like, he had another solid outing on Saturday. 
I mean, I never really expected Randall to be where he is on this team from the scoring standpoint. You knew he was going to be a quality guy for us, but you know, he's just had an amazing season, Randall has. Uh, Bolson's that same way. Like, I don't expect him to be, you know, tops on the team for this stuff, but he's just one of those energy guys. And he was out there flying around. I love his skating. Um, he's a faster skater, I think, than a lot of people give him credit for. And so I think that that opens up opportunities for him. And uh, it was just nice to see, nice to see him finish. Uh, and especially with the performance he was having, like he, I really felt like he was probably one of the best forwards that we had Friday night. Yeah. Great performance by him. His second goal of the season, originally a Minnesota recruit when Don Lucia and the regime changed there and uh, Bob Motzko was brought in. He became available, a great pickup for UNO, and it's nice to see him as his career progresses start to have more success. Uh, has only appeared in uh, 17 games this season, so uh, it's nice to see him take advantage of those opportunities. UNO was not able to hold the two to nothing lead uh, late in that second period. Noah Laba uh, for uh, Colorado College gets a power play goal. Uh, that was when Sullivan went to the box for goaltender interference. So UNO leaves the second period up two to one. Uh, the third period turned out to be an interesting period for UNO. Uh, 8.23 into the third period, Hunter McCown, a player we talked about on last week's podcast when we were previewing this series, uh, gets the second power play goal for uh, Colorado College. Uh, what did you think about UNO's play up to that point, Jason? Well, you said it. I think the first period was our best period. What was surprising was like it was our best period and, and there was a lot not to like about the way we played. We came out in the first and we looked like a team that had a few weeks off. Uh, and so while we, we really held the zone well, uh, controlled the play, a lot of puck possession, which is, you know, this team can be very difficult to play against when we possess the puck as long as we did in the first. And then we kind of lost out on that. And a lot of that came from, I, I hate saying bad calls, but just these really weird, like, I mean, yes, it's a penalty, but CC's doing the same stuff and they're not getting called. And how, like, why are we, they ran Lakoti twice before we took that goaltender interference penalty. It's like, I, I don't understand what the parameters are with these referees. Like, where is this line that it goes from being just incidental contact to being a penalty? You know, and the only opportunities we had were because Cairo College couldn't count to five. Like, the only two power plays we had were both too many men. And it's like, how are you not seeing everything else that's going on? And, you know, some of that just, it builds the frustration with the team. And that's why after the first goal, I was really worried that if, if Cairo College got another power play, that that might be the the tying point for us because I just felt like the guys were kind of, you know, we can beat CC, but we can't beat CC and the refs. And they kind of felt, it just seemed like the play just felt a little cautious and a little timid. You know, it's just unfortunate because you need these guys to fly. You need them to play like they did in the first. Um, you need them to control play. You need them to be not concerned about going into the, the grimy areas and getting involved in front of the net. And it just seemed like, like we were later in that game. It's always an adventure with NCHC officials, as you and I have discussed for the last few years on this podcast. Sometimes it seems uh, incredibly random and arbitrary, uh, the penalties that they call. And certainly the game ended up tied uh, after regulation two to two. 
And that overtime period, uh, a lot happened in that five-minute overtime period. Uh, Jason, there was a penalty shot uh, for Colorado College's Noah Laba. Uh, they called uh, Victor Mancini for tripping. What did you think of that tripping call on Mancini? I know fans were really upset uh, that Colorado College got the penalty shot in OT. What did you think of that call? What did you think of the penalty shots and uh, Simon Lacozzi's save? What did you think? Uh, <laughs> you said save. I don't know that it was a save. Like, he just loses the puck. I Like, it didn't seem like he really got if he got anything on it like he didn't he didn't barely got anything on it i i still wonder like i watched that and, and my first thought live was you're like oh no we have to kill off a four on three that 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 was my concern it was because i thought they were gonna it was enough to call it even in overtime and then he points to center ice and i'm thinking i don't know how you look at that and call that like separation breakaway. I mean, man seems with them into the zone and the penalty that this, this tripping penalty that you're calling doesn't come till late in that cycle. So you got a, a, a defending player has the opportunity to catch up. So I still don't understand how you get to a penalty shot, but man, that the environment, that arena that sold out Baxter was just pumping when when Lakosi makes the save and and we're still leveling overtime and then it's not too long after that that Omaha goes to the power play with an opportunity about a minute and a half left yeah it was a tripping call on Hunter McCown that uh, gave UNO the power play and uh our guy we've been talking about him for five years little did we know that there was going to be a plague and uh we were going to get to talk about Tyler Weiss for as long as we've gotten to talk about him because uh of his extra uh, uh, COVID-allowed season. But uh, Tyler Weiss uh, shoots a beautiful shot, gets the goal. What would you think about that? You know, we've talked that uh, that Tyler's MO is a, is a setup artist, as, a, as an assist guy, but it was great to see him get that goal. I, I don't know if I've ever seen him uh, shoot the puck that hard uh, during a game, uh, but, boy, he was excited. The team was excited, uh, as he said, uh in the post-game interview, the crowd was electric. What did you think of that goal, Jason? Yeah, it was good. I'm curious if that was a, a scouting or a coaching thing because, you know, we all know that, that Weiss's skill set is is the puck possession, the hands, his, his passing ability. You know, especially on a, you know, an overtime, you're talking about a four-on-three power play. So as a defending forward in that situation, especially coming, that was right off a face-off win. So you're having to make a decision. You've got two guys that have to get covered and you have to decide kind of where you go in there. And it was very clear that their forward coming out was more worried about Weiss going back across uh, to the other defender, to the other kind of umbrella. And then he was thinking that Weiss was going to shoot it. And, you know, when he gets that kind of opportunity to see him like recognize that he's got the better chance if he just shoots it, and taking that, I think, is a huge step for Weiss because he does have a good shot. Like, you know, it's 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 not bad. You know, he's just better at passing. And he can, he, God, I mean, his ability to find some of those seams uh, on Saturday was pretty amazing. But yeah, just to see him just kind of wind up and say, all right, I dare you to stop this. And 
boy, the excitement. Like, the, the arena was just hopping. Like, to go from the high of the save to the high, like, you're just adrenaline's going. And we get a power play and it just, like, no time. It was literally, like, right off that, that face-off. And he's like, nope, we're done now. This is over. Brad Williams uh, of Brad Williams Photography, a great UNO fan. Uh, I've known him for years. Uh, he got a great picture of uh, Tyler uh, celebrating after that goal. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I'll uh, feature that on here. I loved how the players uh, after the goal and after that overtime win uh, went over to uh, the student section and celebrated. I thought that was just awesome. Uh, they were really, really excited. Uh, it was great to get uh, two out of three points uh, in the game and get off to a good start against Colorado College. Uh, so we go into Saturday night. I was I was really hopeful that the team uh, would find a way to start off the way that they uh, finished on Saturday night. In the second period, Ty Mueller again gets the scoring started. Uh, 4.54 into the second. Uh, with assists to Jack Randall and Nolan Crenzen. UNO gets up one to nothing. Uh, I was feeling pretty good at that point. And then at 13:20 in the second, Ryan Beck for Colorado College knots things up. What did you think at that point? The game's tied up. Were you thinking this is going to be deja vu? We're seeing ghosts of last night. What did you think when the game was tied one to one, Jason? I was I was honestly worried. Because mostly because Cairo College's goal comes off of just a, a poor decision on a re-entry. And you've got to see that stick in the lane. You've got to know that that, that play's not there. And then go to your next op- option. Go to a second option. Go to a third option. You know, the whole idea with hockey plays, as, as you might call them, is, is it's not a one kind of thing. It's not, you know, this isn't NFL football recording this on a, on a Super Bowl Sunday, right? Like this isn't, we all line up, we're going to do something and we're going to see if you can stop it. You know, you've got to know where your second and third options are and know not to, not to try that. And, you know, kudos to Cairo college for capitalizing on opportunities. Um, but it was a tight game and it seemed like it was going to be back and forth. And this team, like, that's my concern is, is that it's just going to be that one mistake and, you know, our chances seem to not go and then they get, they just get one chance and suddenly, you know, then we're losing or something. Luckily, uh, we get a power play late in the second. Jack Randall puts us up 2-1, so we still go in the locker at the end of the, the second with a one-goal lead. This is where we were on Friday night. That's right. Jack Randall scores on the five-on-three power play. A great position for UNO uh, to be in at that point. And we thought that UNO went up 3-1 to one in the closing moments of that second period we thought joe lemay had the goal for uno apparently time ran out uh i try to get little video clips uh, during these games if i can i did not have the clock he shot it the lamp lit. uh we heard the horn but we did not see the clock i did not go back and uh watch the uh, webcast of the game Tough one for uh, UNO fans. We were hoping that would have been a great position to be up three to one. Ultimately, we weren't two to one going into that third period. Uh, it was a close spot. Third, yeah. Uh, yes. That's a, I think we got to talk about that because yep. I did go back and watch the broadcast. Okay, so so tell because me because we're gonna we're gonna talk about another thing that happens as to you know the main reason for me going back to watch that. Okay. But this 
like, it seems like basic stuff that we're missing, right? We've complained about it on the podcast before about how the NCHC or Omaha or someone has made the decision that when play stops, when it's under review and the refs are looking at it, people viewing at home don't get to see what's going on. All they see is what we see on the the big jumbotron, right? And I get it. Like, I understand NHL is the same way and stuff. Like, you might throw the replay up there once before the the refs start looking at it, but you're trying not to influence them. And NHL is different because they're making the decision back in Toronto and the on-ice officials are making the decision in the arena. So there is that element of if all the fans are yelling and screaming, are you influencing the refs in, in one direction or another? So I understand that. But if I'm sitting at home, you should be able to put up a feed to show me like what they're looking at and the announcers, be that radio announcers or, or TV specific announcers or students or whoever I'm running that broadcast should be able to talk through what you're seeing. Because on the broadcast, it was very clear that the NCHC clock that was on the TV was at zeros before LeMay shoots the puck. And for fans maybe that, that, that are listening to this podcast that maybe don't know all the rules... Hockey's somewhat different, again, than football. We're not talking about this imaginary glass plane that you have to break. The puck has to completely cross the line before time goes over. Otherwise, no goal, right? But they never once show the overhead look that's time-synced to the game clock, the official game clock. They never once even showed what the official game clock was. All we heard was the announcers talking about what they saw and talking about the same thing that I could see, which was the NCHC clock, the clock on the on the broadcast. But that's not the official game clock. And that's the question I have is, where is the official game clock? Why can we not just put a time-synced game clock up there? What is this a technical limitation? Or are we actually making the decision that we don't want to go through this effort and put that up there for fans? Yeah, that, er, that is definitely... Uh... It's definitely some good commentary on your part, Jason. Yeah, my yeah. rant is over. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jason's rant is over. We haven't had a good rant from Jason in a while. Obviously, these game broadcasts, uh, unless you're talking about like the North Dakota one, which is produced by Midco Sports, uh, or the St. Cloud one, which is produced by uh, one of their local affiliates along with the students, or the Denver one, which a number of their games are done by Altitude Sports. It's hard to get that professional production value. And I, I really think one of the goals for UNO over the next uh, five years needs to be upping the production quality of those games. Because it would be nice for fans at home or fans who are at the game who come home after the game and pull up the game on NCHC TV to be able to see what was going on with some of the replays having watched college basketball for years on TV or college football, if there's ever a question about time, you see that clock running when the shot goes off. For example, in basketball, when uh, somebody's at half court and they throw up a shot and it launches to the basket and goes in and there's some question about time, they'll go back and look and see where the clock was at. So I know fans would have liked more information. So I'm glad you went back and looked at that. So we go into the third period. It's tied Uh, For most of that third period, UNO very nearly had a third goal with about five minutes left. Uh, UNO possessed the puck in their offensive zone a long time on a power play at that point. 
but the puck slid outside of the zone. Uh, Pennington brought it back in. What'd you think of that one, Jason? Cause I know we were talking about that during the game and after the game as well, when, uh, uh, people couldn't tell if it gone out of the zone, but it did go out of the zone uh, uh, on that play when Pennington brought it back in. Yeah, it was out of the zone. I even had fans around me because, you know, that happened fairly early in the power play and the goal yeah. happened quite a bit later and the puck never leaves. And there was, there was some confusion as to what that ruling is. So to clear that up, because the puck never, if the puck had come out of the zone at any point in time, um, prior to the goal, and, and UNO had to come back in and reestablish. That play couldn't be reviewed. Carroll College can come back and say, hey, you know, 10 minutes ago, you missed a, an offsides call, so therefore, you know, nothing in the next 10 minutes counts. Like, that's not the way it works. It has to be, you know, relative to the goal. And so because we had kept the puck in as a result of the call on the ice, uh, then that's that's why they were allowed to go back and review it, even though it was what like a minute and a half time traveling back. But I remember when it happened, I was like, eh, that's offsides. Like I was 99% sure sitting where we were that it was offsides. So I'm sure that they were going to have a look down the line that was going to show them that it was offsides. And so I wasn't surprised by that call. I mean, it's hard to say that I was surprised by the first call with the, the time clock too, but I mean, that's just because I don't have a, a accurate sense of 0.1 seconds. So. Right. Exactly. Right. So uh, another missed opportunity for UNO and then late with about 17 seconds left uh, in the third period, Noah Laba uh, gets a goal for Colorado college ties it up late. We're going to overtime. But that was another controversial goal because that's the one that was airmailed into the air, and was we had uh, we had already used our timeout earlier to challenge a contact uh, head contact penalty, and didn't go our way. And so UNO doesn't have a timeout, uh, but they still wanted to challenge. Don't know how this all ends up shaking out, but they still wanted to challenge. The, that goal was offsides and the call on the ice stood. And so we ended up going to overtime, killing off a penalty because of that. And I still like, I am confident that that was offsides, but I've yet to see any sort of video that can show where the puck is when the player enters. And that's the challenge with that is that it doesn't seem like there's any overhead camera angles on those blue lines so that you can actually see where that puck is in time and space. But there's a CC player who is easily six feet into the zone by the time the puck hits the ice. So the question is just, where is he when the puck completely crosses the blue line eight feet in the air? Yeah, the puck was definitely in the air at that point. I got some video, obviously this is from an iPhone up in 216. So you're only gonna get it as good as you're gonna get it. I'll have to send it to you after this. I will feature it, obviously, if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, I think it was a worthwhile challenge for UNO, even though they uh, went into uh, overtime a man down. But uh, nobody scored in that overtime period. An entertaining period, though. UNO had some uh, great opportunities. The game was going to a shootout. Uh, the last time they were in a shootout was uh, 
against uh, North Dakota back on November 5th, and we uh, won that game against the Fighting Hawks. Uh, but this time, our uh, luck was not as good. UNO did not put any past Caden Embarico. Uh, we've talked about the freshman goaltender for Colorado College, very talented guy this season. Mueller and Weiss couldn't put it in on him. Colorado College uh, got two shots in on Simon Lacozzi. Uh, what did you think of the shootout, Jason? Uh, what did you think of UNO getting uh, one point for the tie, Colorado College getting two, and UNO coming out with three points in this uh, series against Colorado College? Yeah, it's a little bit of a missed opportunity. The three points, you know, helps us. It puts us in a three-way tie. Uh, it, it still keeps Denver technically in reach. You know, it gives us enough distance on uh, Duluth and Cairo College that, you know, we've got some some breathing room to that. But you do, we've talked about it, you know, these are the types of games that you even if it doesn't end up mattering for home ice, it's one of those games that you go back, man, find a way to get one more point against Cairo College or, you know, the two that we lost in Cairo Springs, you know, find a way to get a point at least out of those or a win out of one of those and split that series. Those are the types of things that are like, well, we'd be playing Miami or we'd be playing, you know, Duluth on uh, an injury stretch or something like like we could have had a better matchup in our first round if it wasn't for that play. And so it just means the guys are going to have to buckle down. And we're still in the need of probably at least three wins here uh, to secure home ice down the stretch, especially when you look at, you know, who the different teams have uh, and what matchups are. So if UNO wants that home ice advantage in the first round of the NCHC playoffs, it's probably going to take three more wins out of here. We've got Miami coming up, so you got to find a way to get two of them there. And, and then you've got four games to try to steal one. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. Uh, currently, Denver sits in first place, as you alluded to, with 41 points. UNO is in a three-way tie for second place with uh, Western Michigan and St. Cloud. All three uh, have 33 points. Uh, then Minnesota Duluth, who was off this weekend, uh, sitting there uh, in fifth place with 23 points. Colorado College, uh, who had a, a good weekend against us, 23 points. And uh, North Dakota sitting down there in seventh with 21. And Miami bringing up, uh, bringing up the rear with uh, nine points. They'll be our opponent this upcoming weekend. Uh, certainly great position for UNO to be in. But as you alluded to, uh, four games against Colorado College this season, 12 possible conference points. We only get three out of that. That is a tough pill, a tough pill to swallow. Uh, Colorado College uh, has seemingly had our number uh, the past couple seasons. So it's going to be interesting, as you've mentioned, uh, how the next couple of weeks ago, you got Miami on the road, St. Cloud coming into Baxter Arena for our uh, final home series of the regular season. And then we end the season, as we always do, against North Dakota. And we'll be playing them up at the Ralph and Grand Forks. Uh, but a good position to be in in the NCHC standings. So, uh, so we'll just have to see how things shake out the next couple of weeks. But as always, we've got to talk about our players of the week, Jason. I, as always, will let you go first here. Lots of good uh, options to pick this weekend for the series against Colorado College. Well, I'll take the obvious one off the board then. We've got we've to put Mueller up there as our first player of the weekend. Starts us off scoring both nights. You know, is just like we talked about 
when we did our game recap, he was the player we need him to be, the player that we expect him to be. Uh, you know, he's really becoming a reliable goal scorer, point producer, uh, which is huge. But he's also uh, a very smart player and, and a very uh, a huge asset for the UNO hockey team right now. So uh, I think we've got to put him up there. And now you get the challenge of I've got like five names in my head that you get to pick. So I'm curious <laughs> which one of them you take. Yeah, Time Euler. He has, you're absolutely right, great awareness, great hockey IQ. Uh, he's just been a pleasant surprise the past two seasons. Uh, I remembered when they recruited him, I did a recruiting profile, and the picture they had uh, with his midget team, he looked like he was 12. This was back in 2019. So I'm amazed he's here, and he's in his second season. He looked so young, but uh, uh, he has had uh, he's had a, a great uh, first couple of seasons for UNO. 12 goals, 12 assists on the season. Um, and like I mentioned, that odd stat where he's uh, gotten the scoring started for UNO in six games this season. Seven, if you count the uh, exhibition against Mankato. So, yeah, great pick. I thought about picking Caden Bolson for his terrific goal and his terrific play on Friday night. But I've got to go with our guy, Jason. I've got to go with Tyler Weiss, uh, that rocket of a shot uh, in overtime on Friday night uh, to get UNO the overtime win was absolutely fantastic. He has four goals, 19 assists on the season. As we said, he's not uh, always a big goal scorer, but uh, Tyler had uh, a goal and assist on the weekend. Very nearly had two goals uh, when he got the assist on that uh, Randall power play goal on Saturday night. So uh, good weekend for the Mavs. Obviously, we were hoping to get six points out of the out of the uh, series, but uh, we'll take three. It keeps us in a good spot in the conference race. All right. So turning to our things you missed at Baxter Arena. Well, I'll tell you what, Jason, there were a lot of things and I'm hoping I don't miss a bunch of them as we're talking here. I just, I can't tell you how many notes I have. I, I took all the notes on uh, both of the games this weekend and the upcoming uh, series against Miami. Bridget did all of the things you missed at Baxter Arena. We really, we're going to need a production assistant on this podcast, Jason. If they keep doing all these interesting things during the games, uh, Friday, of course, was a military appreciation night sponsored by Woodman Life. We talked about that a little bit on last week's episode. They handed out little flags to the fans uh, as you came in the door to wave during the game and during the national anthem, uh, which I thought was uh, very, very nice. Jimmy Weber, a country recording artist, uh, sang the national anthem. Um, for those who don't know uh, and those who or those who don't remember, uh, Jimmy Weber did the national anthem quite a few times when UNO was playing downtown at the CenturyLink Center. Uh, he would also uh, be in the main lobby sometimes uh, playing his guitar uh, as people came into those games uh, down at the CenturyLink Center. So he was a, a fixture uh, during those years when we played down there, but we haven't seen him, uh, I don't think, at Baxter Arena. So it was nice to see him back. Uh, he also sang during both of the intermission, uh, the first and second intermission on Friday night. Uh, we had a large flag 
for the national anthem during the game. They've done that before. It's always neat to see them uh, come out. It's always fun to watch how uh, timid they are on that slick ice. So already before the game started, Jason, there were all kinds of things going on. In addition, we had the military appreciation jerseys. I got to ask you real briefly here, seeing the jerseys in person, because I know you were a little bit tepid on the jerseys in last week's episode. What did you think after seeing them in person? Be totally honest with us, Jason. What did you think? I, I think they're good, not great. You know, they're not my favorite jersey of jerseys, but I still like them kind of thing. Uh, it'll be interesting. Obviously, this podcast is going to air after the auction closes, so we'll know whose goes for what kind of thing. But uh, I remember scrolling through the auction site going, huh, interesting. You know, that one's been bid up quite a bit. I wonder, uh, sometimes I worry if mom and dad are bidding against each other for some of these guys. <laughs> I was, uh, I was contemplating recording this podcast after the auction ends. Uh, but I thought, I don't want this podcast to get out any later in the week. Cause last week's was a little bit late. We got it out on Wednesday. So, uh, so we'll have to see if I end up getting one. I just, you know, I keep looking at the guys that aren't getting bid up. So, uh, so we'll have to see who I end up getting. But like you said, it is interesting to see uh, how much some of the jerseys uh, are going for and some of the others aren't going for. So uh, did you bid on any jerseys, Jason? I have not yet. I know how I've, I have had my fair share of experiences with uh, auctions on charity event stuff. So like getting in early is kind of just a waste of time. So uh, auction ends in... I don't know, a few hours or something like that from when we're recording this. And so I'll be jumping on here close to the end and say, hmm, you know, obviously Wies is always uh, on my list to keep an eye on. But uh, yeah, we'll see. There's some, some, there's a surprising, uh, I don't know if we want to say on the podcast or not, there's a surprising player who's uh, pushing the uh, four figure mark on him. So yeah, that's Tyconic's jersey. Uh, it's, uh, He's uh he's garnering some bank on that jersey. I'll be interested to see how much that ends up going for. After the podcast, uh, I will let you know who I'm trying to get. So you don't bid against me, Jason, because uh, <laughs> uh, I, I got to have one of those jerseys for the collection and for the sake of this podcast. So are you, so, yeah. are you worried you don't stand a chance if I'm the one against you? <laughs> yep. Yep. And the other big thing, obviously, a sellout crowd. Great to see. Uh, so many people at the game. Obviously, not every seat was full, but uh, I was really excited to see UNO uh, push for a sellout on a on a weekend that wasn't against a name opponent. You know, over the years, uh, they've tried uh, sellouts for like the big name teams, North Dakota. I remember back when we were at the CenturyLink Center and we were still in the CCHA, they would do sellout games for Ohio State, Michigan, et cetera. So it was nice to see them do one uh, for a series against CC because it's a series where you have a better chance of winning the game sometimes. Uh, and this was a very competitive, very entertaining series for those fans who came on uh, Friday night and got to see that uh, overtime win uh, and the goal by Tyler Weiss. That was a great game for them to be out. So two great crowds this weekend, Jason. And uh, and uh, yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. So great military nights. And then on Saturday night, Jason and I were sitting up in the stands early before the game, just uh, chatting about the team, chatting about how they did on Friday nights. 
And a couple of uh, promotion staff members come up to us as we're sitting there and ask us if we want to do on-ice promotions. And I will tell you this, Jason, even though people watch this podcast and they see us talking and I try to be really outgoing, doing stuff like that in person is the kind of thing that makes me completely nervous. Jason jumped in and picked Plinko as the promotion to do, which you really don't have to do anything other than watch the digital puck drop and see where it lands. Uh, Jason ultimately didn't end up doing that promotion. Jolene, his wife, did. I picked the Nebraska Lottery Puck Shuffle. Uh, it's kind of like the shell game. They have three helmets, and then there'll be a puck under one of the helmets on the uh, video board, and then those will rotate and shuffle around, and you have to follow it and pick which number it's under <clears throat> when uh, they're done moving around. They took me down uh, towards the end of the first period to do that. Uh, we walked through the bowels of Baxter Arena. Uh, I waited to do it on the bench. Uh, Bridget and I were involved uh, in an on-ice promotion on our wedding night back in 2004 when we took our wedding party to uh, the games at the CenturyLink Center. Uh, and it didn't go well. And I've been hearing about it for the last 18 years, Jason. So I did not want to mess this up. I tried to be in the zone. I really concentrated on the screen. I got it right. I won $75 in Nebraska lottery tickets, which I have not scratched off yet. But uh, your daughter, Maddie, was just fascinated, wondering how much money uh, we would end up winning. But uh, the promotion was successful. And so... Uh, Thank you to the uh, gentleman uh, who works for Learfield who came and got us uh, to do that promotion. Uh, thanks to Avery Howard, uh, who was uh, on the mic for that promotion. Uh, your wife ended up doing the Plinko uh, during the uh, second intermission. Uh, she ended up winning T-shirts for our section. We didn't end up getting T-shirts for our section, Jason, but... Uh, okay. but uh, I kind of got, got screwed on that one, huh? Yeah. But, uh, but she and Maddie ended up getting T-shirts, so I guess that's okay. They are the white Baxter Arena T-shirts that we have featured on here before. But uh, I would say, Jason, the most enjoyable thing uh, about the Saturday night game and, uh, and the things you missed was uh, on pregame, our niece Scotland uh, was down at ice level uh, for the skate around down by where the players come out down by the player bench and Victor Mancini got her a puck and Cameron Berg wanted to do the same thing. So uh, that was awesome. And uh, UNO featured that on their Instagram account. So again, if you're watching this on, uh, on YouTube, uh, we will be showing that video. That was just a fun little thing. I heard Turning to our next series, Jason, we're headed to take on the Miami Redhawks. Last place, uh, as we mentioned earlier, in the NCHC, they are 2-13-3 in conference play this season. Um, I mentioned on last week's podcast uh, that I watched their February 3rd and 4th series uh, at St. Cloud State. And both of those were very entertaining games. Uh, they both went to overtime. Miami lost uh, in shootouts to the Huskies both nights, but uh, very competitive against a, a good St. Cloud team. Uh, players to watch, uh, as I mentioned uh, when we played them back in January, junior forward Matthew Barbellini has nine goals and 12 assists on the season. 
Uh, certainly in nets, a junior goaltender, a Ludwig Pearson, who tends to have good games against UNO, uh, is a player to watch. I know their record hasn't been good, but they did split at North Dakota in the first half of the season. So always an entertaining series when UNO plays them. It was great to get uh, the sweep of them at Baxter Arena last month, but uh, we have to remember last season, Miami went 3-1 and one against UNO and uh, certainly having talked about the Colorado College series and only getting three out of a possible 12 conference points against them. You never know what's going to happen when you go rolling into Oxford. Uh, It's a very interesting place to play. Uh, Bridget and I uh, went there the season that their current arena opened and we got a tour of the place, uh, a neat little facility. The program has not had the success that they had in the early 2000s. but, uh, But what do you think? About this series coming in, Jason, what do you think about UNO's chances? How do you think they're going to do against the Red Hawks in Oxford this uh, upcoming weekend? It it's not a cakewalk, you know. Miami, they're they're going to be a team that's hungry, just looking for you know what I call a development win. You know, they know that they're not going to they're not going to catch North Dakota. You know, they're certainly out of a home playoff you know, run. So they know that they're going someplace uh, in through in a month, basically to play a team. Right. And so realistically, like their season is just on, you know, building blocks. What can we do now that we can look at and say, okay, that's working for us. We're going to do more of that next year. They're going to be looking at a lot of their, their younger guys, their freshmen, their sophomores to see, you know, where, what roles they can play, where they can play, how they play those types of things. Um, you know, they're probably already looking towards next year in the sense of what we do now builds us up for success in the future. Uh, Cowher College was that way the last couple years, and you can see where they've come. But, you know, Miami still has, they can still look back on their season and say, we beat UMass Lowell, you know, towards the beginning of the season. Um, they split with St. Cloud. You mentioned the North Dakota splits. Uh, they've They've played some some good teams and found success. So, you know, UNO, this has to be a redemption year. We have to go in and say, you know, we didn't get it done uh, against Cairo college and that's on us. And last year we didn't have success against Miami and that hurt us. And so this year is going to be different. Um, And if we, you know, if we play our game, I like our odds. Like if we can be productive and if, you know, our seniors can be our seniors uh, and, and kind of really guide this younger team through, then I like our, our chances. And, you know, look at the standings and say, like, here's two of our three wins. We need to come out here with two of our three wins uh, so that we can go into this. Because if we don't, you're not out of it, but you're really in a tough spot heading into the last two series of the, of the season. So I think UNO goes in. I think it's going to be a close game on Friday because the guy, the nerves will be a little high. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll find a way to win. Uh, and then I think Saturday we'll find a way to win too. Uh, Miami takes a lot of penalties. We need to keep our heads on. We can't get into the trouble that we got into on Friday versus CC. Uh, stay out of the box uh, and let our power play go to work. Let our power play do what it's done this season. And you know, we'll, I think we'll be good. Uh, like you said, do not underestimate the Miami Red Hawks. Do not underestimate a team playing for pride. The other thing we have to be really careful about is uh, is starting to look ahead, looking ahead to the series against St. Cloud, looking ahead to North Dakota, 
looking ahead to potential home ice for the NCHC playoffs. I know a lot of people have been talking about that. As the old adage goes, don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Take care of business. Go to Oxford, Ohio, and try to get two good wins against a struggling and an ailing Miami team. And look, that Miami team is going to give you everything that they have because uh, teams that are in the position that they are in, you know, it's not a lot of fun losing games uh, and it's it's got to be demoralizing sometimes. So they're going to play hard. They're going to play well. They're going to try to finish the season strong. We've got to be smart. Just to mix it up a little bit, uh, rather than picking the sweep, I'm going to say we go in and we split. I'm going to say we lose on Friday night at Miami. And I'm going to say we uh, win on Saturday night there. We'll just have to see. I like your prediction a lot better, Jason, uh, but you never know. Uh, Start times for those games, uh, for those who are here in Omaha, it'll be 6.05 Omaha time on Friday night and 4.05 p.m. Omaha time on Saturday night. So kind of an early start for that Saturday game. uh, If you're watching those games on NCHC TV, or if you're uh, listening to the uh, radio broadcasts on 1290 AM. So elephant in the room we have to talk about, though. What do you think of our goaltending controversy? Do you expect Lakosi to start both games? You know, this is an interesting uh, thing you brought up. I thought Simon played well both nights against Colorado College this weekend. You and I uh, had taken taken uh, the uh, the mindset in last week's podcast of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We thought that they would stick, and I think we thought that they should stick with Kuharski on Friday night and then uh, Lakosi on Saturday night. I'm going to say that... Uh, that they go back to the rotation uh, for the Miami series. What do you think, Jason? I thought they should have stuck with the rotation because I think there's there's aspects of it that, that led to the success that we'd seen. It's hard going back to it, though, now, because like you said, he didn't play bad. Simon played a good game, and I like our odds, especially, you know, in the, you know, in the Saturday game, putting on, if we can, if our goalie only gives up two and we're got 41 shots, I expect that we've got a good chance of winning those games, right? Like that's that's a recipe for a four-two-five-two kind of win, you know. And unfortunately, just because of the way things fell, we ended up in that situation with a loss and a shootout. So I like none of the. I can't really fault him for goals. I can't, you know, I can't see a reason to take him necessarily out of the net, which is I think the hard spot that the coaching staff's in right now is. What does it do to his psyche if you pull him out after, you know, good performances? So I, I don't know. I, I I think they should go back to it. I, I just don't know how you do that to the kid. I look at this series against Miami. I think you give both of them playing time uh, just to get them prepared for uh, the last two uh, series of the regular season. St. Cloud, North Dakota, good teams. They are teams that can put up a lot of points. I think I would uh, go back to the rotation for this weekend just to give them both playing time. I'm glad you brought that up uh, because uh, that is an interesting story that is developing this season. But in the meantime, uh, as I always say, be sure to follow MavPuck on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find links to our social channels at MavPuck.com, as well as back episodes of this podcast, which we encourage you to watch. We encourage you to listen to. We encourage you to like we encourage you to subscribe because that keeps us going. It helps the algorithm on the platforms that we're hosted on. 
Uh, and uh, it just helps uh, Jason and I to have a good attitude about this podcast because we want people to uh, tune in and we want people to enjoy it. So until next time, Jason, go Mavs. Go Mavs. <laughs>